brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make your podcast. You can create, distribute, and monetize your content right from your phone. Anchor is completely free to use with no storage limits, no trial period, and no strings attached. Easily distribute your podcast to every major podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I even use Anchor for my podcast, so download the app today or visit anchor.fm. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Three Course Convo, where I serve you three of the hottest topics in the food industry. I am your host, Paul O. Mims, and today's podcast is all about those fad diets. You know, I'm talking about those diets that people claim that work. I'm talking about those diets that people engage in on a 24 basis. I'm talking about those diets that you see everywhere on news outlets. Before we get started, I would like to, this is not really a shout out. This is more of like, you know, I'm bringing um, attention to this. So there's a new uh, docu-series on Netflix called Cheer. And it's about this junior college cheerleading team who um, is award-winning cheerleading team and they're going to, you know, the Nationals in Daytona Beach, Florida. But they're in college and there were some excerpts of them in class with this uh, teacher, this professor, quote-unquote. Um, this is white woman in small town, Texas. And she was talking about some um, fun facts about Texas. You know, that includes, you know, having the right to carry um, a gun. So, you know, she was very pro, um, you know, to bear arms. Um, You know, whatever. The small town Texas, yada yada. She also talked about their conservative views, you know, about the small town. And then she talked about Tex-Mex. So, Tex-Mex, we all know, is like, Texas um, fusion Mexican food that we actually know today in the United States because a lot of the food that we claim to be Mexican food in the United States is actually not Mexican food. It's Tex-Mex. But anyway, she had the nerve to say that Tex-Mex was a better version of Mexican food. And when I saw that on that episode, I literally gasped and was like, no, this bitch did not just say Tex-Mex is a better version of Mexican food. See, see, I should have stopped watching that series as soon as she said that, but I didn't. I watched the entire series and it's actually a good series, so feel free to watch it. Just, you know, fast forward between that part that I'm just mentioning now. But anyway, um, yeah, she had the nerve to say that. And I was like, um... Not only are you extremely conservative and you have very problematic views as to begin with, as the beginning of your your lesson in the classroom, you have the nerve to say Texas is a better version of Mexican food? Girl, bye. Like, I cannot believe this white woman said that. Um, actually, I can believe it. It's just, it's still startling to me. But anyway, um, as we get into this podcast, let's dig into these fad diets, y'all. Okay, so our first course is about a diet that, you know, was pretty big a few years ago, and it was definitely a phenomenon in the 2010s, but, you know, it still has this impact, and people are still engaged in it. I am talking about the gluten-free diet. Now, I remember when gluten-free was first becoming a phenomenon. Um, I was in college, and, you know, I was studying nutrition and dietetics, um, so we, it was a big discussion a lot in our courses about this diet in particular, because a lot of dietitians have to deal with, you know, gluten-free diets 
not for other reasons such as, you know, autoimmune diseases, but also for reasons of the, these fad diet, you know, reasons. But um, a lot of people that I've noticed when it was becoming a phenomenon was they did not know actually what gluten was. They don't actually know what it entails. Um, and that was a big annoyance because I'm like, how can you engage in a diet about something and you have no idea what it is? Um, but, you know, that shows you what this these fad diet culture is. Um, and so I just want to first talk about gluten in general. Um, gluten is, uh, many people have, you know, wrong impressions about actually what it is, or they don't even know what it is at all. So gluten is a protein found in grains. And the main grains that they're found in is wheat, barley, and rye. So um, a lot of our products that we eat, a lot of our bread products are made from, you know, flour. Flour usually comes from wheat, um, so they would have gluten in it. So it's a protein, okay? It's a group of proteins, okay? And this gluten can actually cause some problems if you have certain conditions. Now, one of the main conditions that you can have that gluten can cause problems with is called celiac disease. Celiac disease is a autoimmune disorder where gluten triggers an immune response um, and it can cause severe damage in the inner lining of your small intestines. And if this is going on for too long, it actually can um, prohibit the absorption of nutrients in your small intestines. Because if you know, small intestines is actually the area where most of your nutrients in your body is absorbed. Um, so it can do some great damage to that if it's not handled correctly. So celiac is a pretty um, hurtful autoimmune disorder. Um, people have it. Not many people have it. It's still considered rare. But um, it's something that can be had. And if you have celiac disease, it's best that you stay away from gluten. Um, and then you will naturally be on a gluten-free diet. So you stay away from the wheat, the barley, and the rye products. Um, and there are some things that gluten-free diets um, can use other than those three things. They can use, you know, fruit and vegetables, things who, that do not naturally have gluten. So fruit and vegetables, some beans, some seeds, some legumes, um, eggs, uh, lean meats, of course, um, and some fat, low-fat dairy products, or any dairy product, for example. So unless, unless the dairy product, such as ice cream, has things in it, such as like cookie dough, um, you know, brownie batter, those type of things, they will have gluten in them. But if you're just getting normal vanilla ice cream, it's not going to have gluten in them. And I think that's a, another problem that we were facing with the gluten-free diet is that gluten-free diet, once it was becoming a booming factor, it started to become a marketing scheme. Um, and many companies started putting gluten-free on their package labels, um, not just to showcase that they were gluten-free for people who may have celiac disease or gluten sensitivity, which I will get to that in a moment, gluten sensitivity. But um, people started using it as a marketing scheme. Um, so they were putting it on products that wouldn't normally have gluten in them. For example, why would you put gluten-free on vanilla ice cream? It's vanilla ice cream. It's made from, like, there's no wheat involved unless you have cookie dough in it, but it's just plain vanilla ice cream. But they're going to slap on the gluten-free label, you know, just to bring those people in. Because when gluten-free diet became a fad diet and people started, you know, utilizing this diet for weight loss, that's when it became a marketing scheme and everyone's putting on their label. So... You know, just be careful with a lot of these companies because they know what they're doing and they know how to get you. Um, secondly, 
um, becoming a fad diet. So there was a lot of talk about the gluten-free diet making people lose weight, that it was causing a lot of inflammation. Of course it causes, causes inflammation if you have celiac or any sensitivity, but people were thinking, oh, it's bad for you. A lot of celebrities were engaged in, a lot of celebrities were sharing their things about gluten, how they were on a gluten-free diet and it saved their lives. They lost so much weight. Now, I tweeted something about this recently because I constantly see um, actors or, you know, influencers or bodybuilders or um, a lot of athletic um, personnel who have claimed that they lost so much weight and that they look good because they were on a gluten-free diet. And this is what I said in a tweet. I said something in the likes of, gluten itself does not make you lose weight. I want everyone to know that gluten itself does not make you lose weight. I don't care how many times you've said it. There are not many studies to back up that claim. Um, gluten itself does not make you lose weight. Now, the foods associated with gluten may is a different story. For example, pizza, fried chicken... Those type of foods have gluten in them because they're made from wheat. They're made from wheat flour or bread, right? So foods associated with gluten, if you cut that out, you can lose weight because it's less fattening, less sugar, right? So using gluten as a ploy to, to get yourself away from those type of foods is what's helping you lose weight, not the gluten itself. So for you to tell yourself, oh, I need to avoid gluten because I need that in order to know how to avoid pizza, then that's a different story. Then don't say gluten makes you lose weight. That's just basically saying you're using gluten as a way to help you to uh, stop eating those bad foods that may have gluten in them. So those fried foods, those pizzas, etc. So gluten itself doesn't make you lose weight. It's the foods associated with it that helps you to... Um, to get away from those foods. That's what people need to start saying. It's, you know, confusing people when people say gluten helps them lose weight. Um, there are not many significant studies to prove that gluten itself make you lose weight. Okay? Um, so I want that people, I want that to get into people's minds about this gluten um, factor. Also, I want to talk about how gluten has been you know, infiltrated into our society and our media as something that's been very demonized. And that comes from people saying that gluten is the problem. Gluten is the reason why we can't lose weight. Gluten is the reason why we have these um, these conditions. Gluten is the reason why we have inflammation. All these things. Um, and I'm just like, you. Not people aren't getting their facts. The thing about nutrition that bothers me is that uh, when you go on the internet, everyone's a nutrition expert. Doesn't matter what degree they have. Doesn't matter what merit they um, you know they have. People are always nutrition experts because they watch one video for some influencer or they read one article that comes from some, you know, popular magazine, um, and they think they know it all. Um, I have many people I know who think that. They have no background in nutrition at all, but they think they know everything. I have many friends who started a gluten-free diet, and I've had friends who was very intelligent, very smart, and know what they're doing, and have told me personally that the reason why they say gluten-free diet is because it helps them to um, get away from those type of foods. Like I just said, and what I tweeted about, it's not the gluten itself, it's the foods associated with gluten. Um, so... This whole gluten um, demon that's been, you know, 
canonized in this society is something that really needs to be looked at and really evaluated because a lot of false information is being brought up. And another thing about Netflix is that Netflix is a huge culprit of putting bad information about nutrition and diets on their platform. A lot of these documentaries about food that are that is on net that are on Netflix aren't merit-based. They have no significant studies. They don't even have an RD or dietitian speaking on its behalf on these documentaries. And if here's my rule of thumb. If you don't see a pediatrician or a registered dietitian that's um, being interviewed for any of these food documentaries, I don't buy it. That's on period. Um, people say, well, there's a doctor on there. There's a cardiologist on there. Okay, um, they are they are doctors and they are cardiologists, but let me give you um, something that, that can go down very easily. A lot of doctors, and I'm not saying for all, but a lot of doctors actually aren't nutrition experts. I know that's kind of hard to um, realize or to grasp, but they, but they aren't. A lot, actually, there are certain doctors who only had one nutrition course in their entire tenure of education. One. One. You think that they're experts because they're doctors, but actually, if you go to a registered dietitian, who is their job is all about diet-related um, causes and helping, you know, certain conditions and um, diet-related diseases, that's their job. So if I don't see that in a documentary, I don't buy it. Period. So gluten-free diet is something that is severely misunderstood. Um, it's something that a lot of research needs to be more done on it because it has become a fad diet. Um, if you need this excuse of being on the gluten-free diet in order to avoid those foods associated with it, then fine, whatever. You, you do what you have to do to lose weight. But don't lie and put false information out there that gluten itself is making you, it, avoiding gluten itself is making you lose weight because that's not the case, okay? So please tell me what you guys think about that. And I hope I enlighten certain people about, you know, gluten itself. If you don't have celiac disease, um, or a gluten sensitivity, then you're fine. Um, just work on other things to help you lose weight. Um, you know, more physical activity. Just watch your portion sizes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're so obsessed with quick results and instant gratification that we forget about the, you know, the foundational things of just losing weight or, ha or maintaining a healthy weight. So our second course is about, you know, our pretty recent phenomenon. Um, actually, it it's something, this concept was something that was used in a lot of old fat diets, but actually now it's playing center stage at the moment. And I'm talking about the keto diet. Um, so yes, you've probably heard keto diet um, being thrown around many, 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 many times on um, the internet, on media outlets. It's been everywhere. And so... A lot of these old fad diets, kind of like the Atkins diet or the South Beach diet, actually use the concept of keto, which is basically a very low-carb diet. And a lot of, you know, athletes use this. A lot of, you know, people, when you see them having, like, six-packs or a lot of, you know, abs, um, they're pretty much on a low-carb diet. But recently, the keto, this whole concept has played center stage and actually has its own sort of, you know, concept now. Um... And, you know, the keto diet is primarily used um, as a low-carb diet, and it uses another 
nutrient or food group as the primary source of fuel. So I just want to go a little bit into the history of the keto diet in general. So the keto diet was actually conceived as a possible way to help with um, epileptic seizures in children. That was actually the whole concept at first. Um, and then it was, you know, used for weight loss, but there wasn't much significant um, evidence on its effects on weight loss. Um, but they did know that it helped with short-term weight loss. Um, so there's more studies that need to be done with the keto diet, and I'm pretty sure um, many people are probably going to look into it since it has become such a huge fat diet. But So basically what how it works is that um, your body uses fuel, right, to, for energy or, you know, to do most of its functions. And mainly that energy is glucose that comes from carbohydrates, right? So carbohydrates is your main fuel. It's about 65% of your, um, that your body uses, that your body needs in everyday eating. Um, but in the keto diet, actually, it focuses on fat, now, a lot of the South Beach diets and the Atkins diets, they were low-carb as well, but they focus on protein primarily. So the keto diet um, actually focuses on fat as the primary fuel source. Um, so instead of relying on the glucose, um, it relies on the you know fat, um, and it relies on the ketone bodies, the type of fuel that have the liver produced from stored fat. So this increased fat will... Um, produce these ketone bodies, and it um, primarily is on those things. So um, I know it's a bit confusing at first to know what this actually means, but you can definitely look this up. I'm not going to go too much in detail about ketone bodies, but it's something that you can look up online, make sure it's a reputable source. Um, so yeah, let's get back into what it actually does. So it requires you to deprive yourself of carbohydrates um, fewer than about 20 to 50 grams of carbs per day. And it typically takes about a few days to reach a state of ketosis. So you want your body to be in this state of ketosis. Um, so I think the state of ketosis is where you want in order for your body to lose weight. Um, that's what you want. I don't... So to, when I first heard about that, I was like, your body needs to be in the state of ketosis. That's not something good for a long term. And, you know, a lot of these fat diets aren't good for long-term. They're short-term. They're not sustainable to be lasting for a long time. They're not sustainable to be lasting for a lifetime diet or eating pattern. So I knew instantly that it was something that wasn't going to be sustainable when I heard ketosis. So, and, and if you eat too much protein in this diet, it actually can interfere with that ketosis. So if you're still on the Atkins diet or the South Beach diet and you just want to try keto, but you still have those same... Um, rules that you follow from the other diets, it probably won't help with this keto diet at all. Um, the keto diet has a very, very, very high fat requirement. Um, and you must eat a lot of fat with each meal. Um, so you're looking at about 165 grams of fat if you're eating a 2,000 calorie diet, um, about 40 grams of carbs and 75%, I mean, I'm sorry, 75 grams of protein. Um, that's kind of like the ratio that they offer when you follow the keto diet. Um, but, you know, I started to do a little bit of research when I was looking at this because it was fairly, fairly new. I actually didn't find out about keto until my roommate friend, my best friend, she started being on it. Um, and actually, the fun part about it is that we got into a huge fight when we talked about the keto diet. Uh, <laughs> because... Um, she, the reason why we got into an argument about it is because um, 
I think a lot of, not to toot my own horn, but I think a lot of my friends forget that I actually have a degree in dietetics and nutrition. Um, I didn't become an RD, but I still have the degree and I still, you know, spent four and a half years talking, learning about nutrition. Um, and I, I think they forget about that. So when they talk to me about nutrition or food related topics, they kind of write me off that I don't know anything. So when I voiced an opinion, in which I voiced my opinion on the matter, I said, um, I don't think this is this is a sustainable diet. And she said, well, it works. Uh, my sister does it. She lost a ton of weight. It works. So whatever works, works. At, like, I don't... Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. Um, at the end of the day, I was like, you do what you do. I'm not going to talk to you about it. And it's actually come to a point where I really don't even talk about nutrition with friends anymore because it usually just ends in a disagreement or an argument because they believe what they believe. They don't really want to... They don't really care what I have to say. So I just leave it alone. Um, and there's a lot of issues, personal struggles that I deal with in terms of nutrition that I can get into another podcast episode. But I just leave it alone. I left it alone with that point. She started doing the keto diet. Um, she would lose weight. She would get off the keto diet and then go back on the keto diet. Actually, a lot of people I've heard do that. They would get on it, get back off of it. They would binge on carbs or carbohydrates or whatever. And then they would get back on it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I knew, 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 knew instantly when that was happening. I was like, this is what I've been saying from the beginning. It's not sustainable. You're going to break. And it's not going to be good long term. But no one listens to me, you know? And I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'm not an RD. So don't come to me with any diet-related, you know, questions. I'm not an RD, but I am a nutrition educator. Um, and uh, I studied it. So I have a little something, something to give to bring to the table. But there are some risks from the keto diet that I do want to highlight. And a lot of these risks were actually brought up from Harvard, from Harvard University. They do some studies. They've done some studies of the keto diet, um, which is funny because I'm pretty sure it was Harvard University who published something before about the um, benefits of the keto diet. But I think they've come back and looked at it more and they're like, oh, there are some risks. So first of all, one of the risks is nutri nutrient deficiency, which I instantly kind of knew. When I heard that it was primarily fat and less carbs, I was like, oh, it's going to be some nutrient deficiencies. Um, so if you're literally eliminating a lot of your vegetables or fruits or grains based off the fact that they're too high in carbohydrates, you're going to um, not be able to have a lot of those nutrients and micronutrients that your body needs, such as, you know, minerals such as magnesium, phosphorus. You're not getting a lot of your B vitamins. You're not getting vitamin C, vitamin A. A lot of those things you're not going to get because you're avoiding those foods. Um, so what, you have to take a, uh, multivitamin now? And I always am a person that says, if you eat correctly, you don't need to take a multivitamin. Um, also, there have been some issues with liver problems. Um, with so much fat to metabolize, the diet can make an existing liver condition worse. So if you already have liver, um, issues, um, it's not wise to be on the keto diet. There has been some kidney problems that came up. Um, kidneys help metabolize protein, um, and this keto diet may overload your kidneys. So just be on the lookout for that. Constipation. Now, I knew this was going to be a thing because I'm pretty sure you're getting less fiber from this keto diet. Um, the keto is low in fiber. 
So um, you're not eating those grains, you're not eating those legumes, you know, those, you know, vegetables and those fruits because they're maybe high in carbohydrates um, and you're losing a lot of fiber. Fiber helps you poop. That's why I tell my students at my schools, I'm like, oh, let's learn about fiber. Fiber helps you do this. So I was like, fiber helps you poop because that's a very important job and you don't want to be constipated. Um, also, I instantly knew this red flag from the keto diet, mood swings. So my friend had mood swings all of the time with the keto diet. She was always moody and she always had these mood swings and she would actually admit to it. She would say, oh yeah, there were days where I was just not on my rock, like off my rocker. Like it was just off. It causes um, mood swings because the brain needs carbohydrates. Remember when Dr. Oz had that bogus episode on his show about how carbohydrates causes Alzheimer's? Girl, Dr. Oz is a whack and a half. And, um, yeah, he said that. I was like, what the hell? Like, your brain needs carbohydrates. It needs that from primarily for its energy. So when you um, don't give your brain a lot of that glucose that the that it needs to function, a low-carb diet may cause confusion and irritability. So how can it cause Alzheimer's? That's, you know, I'm not even going to get back to that. But this is what causes these mood swings when it comes to keto diet. So those are, those are some pretty significant risks when it comes to the keto diet. Um, I don't think it's sustainable at all. If, if you want to do it short-term, who am I to tell you you can't do it? If you like your results, yada, yada, whatever. I don't think it's long-term. Um, you shouldn't be doing this as an eating pattern for a lifestyle change. Um, just be more aware of what you're eating and get more physical activity in. And that's usually the key success of having maintaining a healthy weight and losing it. So for the third course, I decided to talk freely about the issue at hand. And the issue at hand is body image. And, you know, your mental health when it comes to eating and food as a coping mechanism when you're dealing with a lot of troubles and obstacles and depression. So um, I wanted you to know, share a little bit about myself. Um, so I struggled with my body image my entire life. Um, I remember when I was, you know, skinny as a young kid and then I grew up and I was very chunky. I loved to eat. I was a very hungry kid. I ate what my great-grandparents cooked. Um, <clears throat> and there was a lot of home-cooked meals, very southern home-cooked meals. Um, ate out a lot. Um, my mom didn't cook much. We ate out a lot. Um, she was a working single mother. So, um, yeah, so I was a very chunky kid. I used to shop in, you know, the Husky section, JCPenney, and, you know, um, I had man boobs, and I had a gut, and um, I was pretty chunky. I used to be, be made fun of a lot about my weight as a kid, um, with all whole other factors about me, but it was, a lot of it, it was about my weight. Um, and then I had a growth spurt, I want to say in high school. Um, and I grew taller and things started to even out a bit, but I was still considered chunky and I still did not like my, you know, my body. Um, I still had man boobs. Um, um, I used to, you know, think, I still think that I should get surgery to remove them because when I found out about a condition called gyne gynecomastia, um, 
And yeah, so I really struggled a lot with my body image and I still do to this day. I'm starting to be trying to, you know, really embrace myself more, but it's something I always, you know, struggled with. Also, I was always a, a stress eater. So if I was stressed out, if I was in a bad place, I would eat, eat, eat. And that was the only thing that would make me feel better. Um, I am blessed, though, to not come to the point of eating and gaining so much weight. Um, I do gain some weight, especially in the winter months. Um, and then I tend to lose the weight in spring and summer. But, um, yeah, it's still something I struggle with. I love to eat really trashy bad food when I'm very upset. Um, and, you know... I try going to gyms. I still at the gym. I don't go as much as I should. I've I'm in yoga now. I'm in a running club at work. So um, I'm trying to you know go on the right path for you know my health. I struggle with blood pressure issues at a young age, which we're still trying to figure out what's the actual problem because we think it's more than just you know genetics and predisposition from my father's side of the family. Um, so it was a lot going on health-wise with me. Um, yeah. and But one thing that I never really tried was were fat diets. And I think, thank God, I studied dietetics, even though sometimes I regret it. And I have these moments where I really, really, really regret studying it and going to school for it. But there was something, I learned a lot of things from it. And one of them is not falling for fat diets. Um if I didn't study dietetics or nutrition, I probably would be on these fad diets. Trust me. Um, but something I've learned was that these things aren't sustainable. I learned how to critically think about these situations. I learned how to analyze the situation at hand. And when I am introduced to a new fad diet, I know how to break it down, analyze what's actually going on in this fad diet, and then make a quick decision about its sustainability. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, I never really engaged in them. I never was in a keto diet, never was in Atkins or the South Beach diet. Um, I just try, you know, little by little by, you know, working out, being more physically active, watching what I eat, um, and just go on from there. And also embracing my body. Um, I know we were constantly reminded on social media, especially Instagram, when we see these Instagram influencers or celebrities or the guy down the street who just looks really good. And trust me, when I see someone who's super attractive, I get anxious. I break down. I don't know how to cope. I get instantly depressed and upset with myself. And I just go into this, like, you know, hole. This dark hole. Um, I ask my friends. They know I'm always hard on myself. Um, and I just want people to know with these fat diets that... They, that you know, it's not as complicated as you think to just, one, embrace your body, two, just try to make better decisions, you know, walk to the store instead of drive if it's really close for you. Just, you know, increasing physical activity is wonderful. You know, engage in a running club. If you don't like running, do a bicycle club. I literally didn't think I would like running until like, I started the running club at my job where a few of us workers, we get together on Mondays and we run two miles. Um, and we talk, we talk about life when we're doing this. You learn a lot about your coworkers. We just have a ball and we take a picture. 
Um, and it's kind of cliche because I live in Philadelphia, so we run in Center City and we run to the art museum and we run up the stairs as our last, like, triumph, like Rocky did, and then we run back. But, you know, little things like that helped me. Um, I have a friend who is a yoga instructor, um, and I started yoga, um, hot yoga, so, um, I've been doing that and I actually like it. And I didn't even like yoga at first, but then I tried hot yoga and, you know, something about it really, um, turned me on and I love sweating my ass off in that room, um, doing those poses, those very, really difficult poses. You learn how to stretch. It just really opened up so many things for me. Um, and I just want people to know that fad diets aren't the answer all the time. And I, I know that you want results very quickly. I know working out is hard. I know it's a struggle. Gyms can be toxic environments. I get it. Um, and if a gym is not for you, then think of other ways. Um, but I just don't want people to be caught up in fad diets. Um, you just heard the risks that I just talked about with the keto diet. Um, the misinformation that's being brought up with the gluten-free diet. It's always a catch. And if things sound too good to be true, most likely it's too good to be true. Um, so just, you know, just take the small steps. Don't feed into it. Please don't. I also would like to end with a funny story. So um, when I was working in college, I was working in dining and I had these workers and um, they had this diet plan and they were starting. They were really excited about it. It was on a sheet of paper. It was like very, they had a lot of rules. It was very strict. They were so excited. So one day I decided to look at this diet because they were claiming it was amazing. When I saw that diet, you guys, I literally was like, this must be satire. This must be a joke because um, this cannot be a diet. The diet was called the Mayo Diet, I think. And I was like, the Mayo Clinic, I'm pretty sure did not publish this. Um, it consisted, like, it was, like, stupid rules, like, oh, you need to eat grapefruit three times a day with no sugar, but only half the grapefruit. You need to have, like, a cup of, um, oil you need to add to your food each meal. You can't eat this, you can't eat that. Um, you could put a lot of, but it was kind of like, and I think it was a joke of putting a lot of these um, fat diets into one diet because there were some keto diet elements in there. There was like, oh, um, don't eat oatmeal, but if you eat rice, just make sure you put like two sticks of butter in there. Or like, don't eat, um, you know, the veggie burger, but make sure you put a bunch of bacon on this, on the sandwich. It was just stuff like that. And I was just like, okay. And, but they, they bought it. They were on this diet it was awful. I literally just, I didn't want to look at them like, you guys are all idiots because that's not nice. But, um, and they didn't know any better, but it was, <laughs> I just think it's so comical. And I have my roommate from college. She, I remember when I told her the story and we were just busting out laughing at the thought of, they thought that this was real. Um, <laughs> and I just wanted to bring that up because a lot of these fat diets can't be ridiculous. Um, please do your research before you engage in any of these fad diets um, from reputable sources. I'm not talking about your WebMD. I'm talking about anything that ends with the e .edu. Um, the Mayo Clinic is okay. 
um, reputable sources from, you know, RDs, those, like, things like that are reputable sources. And I just want people just to like themselves more and don't think that a fad diet is going to be the answer to everything. Thank you again for listening to the Three Course Convo podcast. Again, I'm your host, Paula Mims. And please check this episode and other episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. You can also find it on my website, mrpaulomims.com. That's M-R-P-A-U-L-O-M-I-M-S.com. I'm also on social media. You can find me at Mr. Paul O. Mims. If you check out my Instagram page, the link is in the bio. Thank you once again, and goodbye.